0: You are listening to the Bug Bugs Podcast, hosted by Solomon Earhart and Alan Draper, where they will discuss scaling and growing your pest control company with the goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. And so because of that, I think a lot of PCOs are going to have a hard time with this developing technology. I really do. I think they're going to try to stay the way they are right now.
1: Working for a company like Advance was really eye-opening. I mean, a good, here's another good example, like the T-Rex trap that Bell Sensing has, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's Bluetooth technology. So if I put it up in a drop ceiling and I have like five in a drop ceiling, right? As a technician, I can walk, I can go to that account, visit the customer, yeah. walk through and get all the data. And I'm not having to go up and down That's, off a ladder.
0: I mean, for safety and insurance reasons, right. that is a game changer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the bug Bucks podcast. I'm your host, Alan Draper. I'm flying solo today. Done that a couple of times in the past. I'm excited for our guest. Before we get to him, you all know that I don't monetize. We don't monetize this podcast. There's been talks about possibly doing it in the future if the partnership's right. But so I, I don't get paid for this, which is perfectly fine, right? I'm the one that it was my idea, so I, I'm you know not here to complain. But if you want to do something. To kind of give back to support the podcast if there's an episode that i've ever produced that would be helpful to somebody that you know this is a small industry the the bug business is a small industry we all know you know people in different companies and and things that you know could use some help share an episode with them okay just go and you know you can click that little upload button and share it via text message from your phone share an episode with one person and that would mean the world to me. So, let's get to it. Our our guest today is Adam Holt. Adam, he's a university board certified entomologist, but he's much more than that. Okay? He has this passion for training technology, right? Insect identification, you know, big in the pest control world obviously and so much more. So, we're really glad to have him. Welcome to the show, Adam.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Alan. Super excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So have you ever worked for like as a technician or how ha- t- tell me about how you got into the pest control world?
1: Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I think I, my passion for pest control grew from even being a little kid and grow, growing up on a small farm in um, Florida. And so I grew up on a farm of like nine acres. And, you know, that's kind of like I said, that's where my passion started. Really got my passion for entomology in high school. And so that's when I kind of oddly enough found out what I wanted to do for my career hmm. after university, I went to university of Florida in Gainesville. And after being, you know, going to university, I was working for a department of agriculture during that time. And so I was in their entomology department as a laboratory technician from there. I became a teacher and then i finished my graduates, my graduate work. And after that I went and worked for mosquito control in the public sector. Hmm. So I was their education specialist, but even in that role, I kind of did a lot of technician work, right? Cuz you had to go out in the field, and you had to do treatments for mosquito control with BTI, um aerial fumigations, you know, all kinds of stuff. So
0: you were the one
1: actually doing the treatments. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to hmm. you have to, you know, walk the walk before you can talk the talk.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, even as a regional technical director for Terminex, I was crawling, you know, crawl spaces and attics and you know, pulling hoses around, you know, a house and doing, you know, exterior pesticide treatments.
0: That's interesting to me that a a regional technical director would do that for Terminx.
1: You know, I think it's part of their training program, right? Because they want you to they want you to be able to to talk from experience versus just, you know, being this this kind of like higher figure that you're trying to help these technicians from, you know, no experience in the field, right? If I'm if I'm going and I'm doing ride alongs with technicians. I should be able to have that you know hmm. hands-on experience right that makes sense
0: because there, there's a lot of logistical and practical issues to you know solving an infestation or you know treating a home that you don't get in a lab right there's you know you talked about pulling the hose around the house That it's funny like how many stories i have about pulling damn hose around a house right just getting stuck i swear getting stuck on tires knocking over bushes you know trying to avoid landscaping kids playing with the hose when they're in you know front of the house and i'm in the back like that part does make sense but you didn't do it regularly it was always with this this intent or purpose to do the training or whatever
1: i think for the experience in learning how to do exterior treatments. Yes, that was not on a regular basis. However, I mean, I was doing like audits, right, for Centricon applications. Hmm. So when you're doing that, you're walking around a house, you're measuring with a wheel, you're verifying measurements, you're poking and prodding with, you know, screwdrivers to verify, you know, different types of soils and everything like that soil profiling. And so, Hmm. I mean, I was definitely out in the field, you know, working and then you know, sometimes like I would have to go to a customer to a customer's home that was like a special situation, right? Where the technician maybe couldn't figure out the problem in a matter of thirty minutes on their stop and on their route. So I would go in that home and I would have to dig further into that scenario to figure out what the problem was to get it resolved.
0: That's amazing, man. I I can't imagine the amount of resources that Terminex has that they can send a technical director out there to solve those types of issues. A lot of a lot of the folks listening, they're, you know, probably thinking a lot like me. I'd never worked for Terminx. So maybe they already know that. But to me, it's like, how does that make sense? How do they make that make sense financially?
1: <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think I think you look at it from the perspective of a big company like that where the technicians are getting paid what? I mean, they're getting paid, sorry, I'm like having a brain fart, but I know they're getting paid basically, you know, based on the service they do. Right And they're getting paid that percentage, and so, like you said, I mean, to have the technician out there for four hours when they're paying somebody in my role a salary, right, I mean, they can send somebody out like me out there to you know try to resolve the situation versus taking up the technician's time, huh I yeah, mean, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here,
0: yeah, no that's that's interesting, man. I mean, obviously they know they know their business they they to be frank, their bottom line's a lot lower than a lot of people that are listening too, so but they have other issues um, that smaller operations don't have, insurance issues, and you know a huge target on their back and things like that. But wh- where'd you go after Terminex? What was your next stop?
1: I left Terminex and had an amazing opportunity to go into the pest control software industry. Really? So I went to Surf Suite, aka Service Pro. Yeah, and I worked with them for four years as a commercial entomology analyst. And then I was also on their patent for their remote monitoring product for rodents called SERP Sensor.
0: Wow. So w- so I'm trying to understand... So the sensor, I, I can understand what you were doing there, but why'd they need an entomologist to develop
2: a software?
1: So to kind of take a step back, whenever I was with Terminex, I was part of rolling out their handheld CM-50s, which was their technology they rolled out in 2012. So it was these large handheld devices and basically, they rolled them out to all the technicians with, with, with um, Bluetooth printers. And then on top of that, on the, on the commercial side, I was part of the team of basically setting up all of the commercial accounts and that hierarchy within those commercial accounts. So, you know, different zones, right, for all the um, rodent base stations, a different zone for all the interior tin cats, a different zone for all the rat traps. And so hmm. I was part of that process and setting up all of those commercial accounts because they, they actually took care of Kmart at the time. I was part of setting up all the Kmart's across the state of Florida for all the technicians. And so I really love technology. And so ServicePro wanted to bring me in to help further enhance their software Hmm. and make it more efficient for the technicians in the field because I was coming from the perspective of this is what the technicians are seeing. I can help you make it more efficient for all of your customers.
0: That makes sense. So you're with ServSuite and how long did you spend there? Four years. Four years there and, and and then what? I've got some good questions, but I gotta get your entire story here first.
1: So after that, I was in Colorado and took a job, a very short stint job with a startup cannabis company called Urban Grow as a biologicals program manager. That did not last long because kind of like a typical startup company, they overpromised and underdelivered. Great company, just mm. didn't work out. Hmm. So from there, I relocated to Michigan and took a job with Real Green Systems, which is a lawn care software who was trying to move into the pest control vertical. Hmm. So they hired me on as their pest control technical specialist. And I basically helped them develop their pest control platform from conception to execution and everything.
0: Never heard of them.
1: They just got bought by Pack. I've heard of them. Right. I think everybody has.
0: (laughs) So so what year are we at now? 2018-ish?
1: So 2019-ish was pest was, sorry, Real Green Systems. Okay. And then I left, it just didn't work out with Real Green because they got acquired, so they yeah. missed my position. Yeah. So then I left them and went to California as the technical director for Advanced IPM. And with them, oddly enough, as an entomologist, I was managing a software developer and helping, I helped them roll out their new software called, well, the one they decided to use called Clipboard. Hmm. It is owned by a company called Terrier Technologies. I helped them roll that out for 175 employees, and I was that support role for 175 mm. employees on the technology IT side, as well as insect identification and trainings and everything else. You you
0: found this weird niche, man. Like you have a <laughs> right. Is it just right? me, or I I hope the people that are listening are sharing my sentiment? But like you have this like technology background with you know this with an entomology background and you're using it in a very unique way which I, I think is I think that's fantastic. So after a- advanced IPM
1: I'm now in my current role as a business development manager for Douglas products.
0: Man, you you, you definitely have that a vast background. I I think the technology part is is really cool. Our industry is kind of weird cuz we're a little old-fashioned, right? There's some industries that not a lot has changed over the years, but I feel like there's some change coming.
1: I was just going to chime in and say that, like, around technology, I feel like it's one of those things where if you don't get on the boat now, you're going to miss the boat, right? It's just going to come up and it's going to, you know, dock and then it's going to leave without you. I mean, a good example is like even in California, I was part of rolling out Bell Sensing IT technology. I'm sure you've heard of that. I haven't. So you know who Bell Labs is. Yep. They put out their own technology for remote monitoring called bell sensing IQ. Oh, okay. and so it's okay. in rodent base stations. they their tin cats called the twenty four seven trapper and then they have a a t rex trap or, or basically a rot a rat trap, and they're all bluetooth technology that basically communicates with your iphone or your cell phone. I was part of rolling out for advanced five thousand devices when it, before I had left California
2: hmm
0: so what you 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 just said something about like if you don't jump on board right now, you're going to miss the boat with technology. What What's that technology? Is it all around? And I've heard a ton of technology around the, the sensing and with rodents and things like that. Tell me what that technology is and, and where it's headed.
1: Yeah. So the remote monitoring technology. I mean, I think it's just, it's one of those things where it's, I guess the best way to explain something like bell sensing is that it is Bluetooth technology. And so a good example we'll use is like the Evo Rodent Bait Station. Right? It's got those interchangeable mm-hmm. plates that you can take in and out. Mm-hmm. And so what they do with the IQ thing is you would take out the normal IQ you would take out the normal tray out of the Evo rodent base station and you would put in this IQ tray, right And then if a rodent runs across it or anything with equal weight, then it's going to track or record an event. right And so as a technician, if I come up to a property where let's say I have a hundred bait stations installed around this property, as I walk around the property, as long as I'm within a hundred feet of the, the exterior road and base station, I'm gonna start pulling in any events that happened. Literally, it records 24-7. And so the beauty of it is, you know, depending on the frequency, the service frequency that you're doing for that account, like let's say I check the stations twice a month, right? Do I have to physically check them twice a month? Or do I just need to make sure that I'm, you know, keeping up with the activity? Right. Maybe I bend down and check them once a month, at least to clean them out and change out the bait based on weathered activity. And or, you know, on that biweekly frequency, I just walk around and get the data. Right. So the beauty of this is that you are decreasing your liability. Right. Let's just look at it from a 24-7 trapper position or a tin cat. Yeah. The technician's not having to bend up and down every time. So A, you're decreasing that liability. Hmm. And then B, you're incre you're decreasing the amount of time that the technician has to has to take the time to check all those stations and then C you're, you're increasing the amount of time the technician has to further explore hotspot activity within that account. So it also presents the opportunity for the technician to maybe upsell or I hate upsell, but sell other things to help resolve situations that are going on that account.
0: That's interesting. It seems like they could create technology where you could get those notifications without going to the house, but you may not want to, right?
1: It does exist, Alan, but it's way more expensive. AKA, that would be something like Val Agrosciences or, sorry, Corteva. They put out ActiveSense. Hmm. It's true twenty four seven sensing where you can go to your app and you can see all of the information right where you're sitting right now. And it's great technology. It's just it's it's more expensive. So you have to decide what's cost effective. You know, how do you build that back to the customer?
0: I also think there's this element of us not creating systems and technology that remove us from the marketplace. Correct. If I don't need a technician to go out there, then what am I charging for? I'm charging for the product, right? I guess if there there would be people that may not want to monitor it themselves, but people are monitoring stuff in their house all the time already, right? You know, they get get notifications on their phone if someone's at, at the door or... You know, if the temperature goes below a certain amount or the pool, you know, whatever, right?
1: So let's you make you bring up a perfect example and I will tell you there was I don't know if you do you are do you have a TikTok account?
0: I do. I'm not active anymore because it was consuming too much of my time.
1: Fair enough. That's true. I understand that for sure. There was a kid, the video went viral. The kid bought Avion at Gel off of hmm. Amazon. Mm-hmm. right and he put it down i'll say a kid it could have. i don't know the person's age but the person put it down literally alan everywhere right and so his video is of it working right and killing all these roaches well of course it worked he literally when he's running it across a baseboard instead of putting like a dot like you're supposed to every you know x number of inches or feet he was literally just running it like it was cock <laughs> so the whole point of the story is that you're always going to need the experts, right? Because mm. anybody can buy a DIY and do it themselves, but are they doing yeah. it correct? Are they doing it, you know, correctly to not harm the environment? Are they doing things correctly according to the label? You know? Yeah. No. Good point. There's a value that we bring to the field as the experts.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. And there's oh, I mean, I think with anything, right? I'm getting my garage floor epoxy in the next couple of weeks. I've done that myself in the past with offices and other houses and stuff. Could I do it myself? Yeah. I don't want, you know, I think there's somebody that's better at it than I am that will make it look nicer, that will do it without the mess and all these things. But the better the system is and the, the easier the system is, the higher the net worth or the income of the demographic has to be in order for them to justify not doing it themselves. Right. So what I'm saying is if the system gets easier and better to use, then it's going to push those, it's going to expand the group of do it yourselfers. And I hope we retain some, some of that. Are you, are you on board with that or no? You,
2: you
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think, you know, the other thing you have to think is a DIY or do it yourself is, what is your time value at? Right, everybody's time is valuable. Exactly. Everybody's time. I mean, like, exactly. ev- literally, like, if I'm on the phone with customer service and I'm having to spend 45 minutes, I'm like, what are you going to do to compensate me for the 45 exactly. minutes i just been on the phone with you? Because percent, my time is my time is just as valuable as yours. So I think about it as a DIY. Yes, I can either do it and then value my time at how much it would have cost me, or I can pay the expert to do it, and it's going to cost just as much, and it's done right.
0: Yep. No, 100 percent. And a lot of it's like. You know, I I I used to be an attorney. Well, technically, I still am. I don't practice law anymore, but uh, I practice litigation, and it's every you know sixth of an tenth of an hour, every six minutes, right? Okay. It's what what did you do for that six minutes? And so I've been programmed to think of my time, right, like as you know, being very valuable. Sectioned out, yeah, exactly. So no, absolutely. and, and, And I think a lot of a lot of business owners especially see pcos don't look at themselves like that right a lot of them will and i always use the phrase i think i got it from my dad or somebody i think a lot of pcos they'll step over a dollar to pick up a dime right they'll pay somebody or, or they won't pay somebody to do something but they'll spend 10 hours trying to figure it out themselves i think it's it's almost endemic in in the pest control industry. And a lot of times they think they're saving money, but what they're doing is they're devaluing their time. Right. And so because of that, I think a lot of PCOs are gonna have a hard time with this developing technology. I really do. I think they're gonna try to stay the way they are right now.
1: Working for a company like Advance was really eye-opening. I mean, a good here's another good example, like the T-Rex trap that Bell Sensing has, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's Bluetooth technology. So if I put it up in a drop ceiling and I have like five in a drop ceiling, right? As a technician, I can walk. I can go to that account, visit the customer, yeah, walk through and get all the data, and I'm not having to go up and down That's, off a ladder.
0: I mean, for safety and insurance reasons, right. that is a game changer.
1: Do you know what the number one workman's comp claim is? Like in the industry, is ladder, ladder issues. It's fall.
0: I remember when we were getting when we were getting quotes for workers comp. Right. I remember them asking, "Do you guys do the, Do you guys have ladders?" on the trucks. And in the beginning we did. And, and we've kind of gone back and forth over the years with this. Right. And now, and this is going to surprise a lot of people now, in order for somebody to use a ladder, they have to get the branch manager's permission. And in a lot of cases, another person has to go out there with, with them. Now the the, the issue is a lot of people are thinking you know, my guys all have ladder racks. We have like all these different ladders. You can't do good pest control without it. And I, I understand that, that sentiment, but if we can get technology to kind of further the, further the expanse of what we're able to do without climbing ladders, ladders are scary, man.
1: I mean, it's like, look at like a drone, right? You can buy a drone, right? And you can use like a video, right. To go do an inspection. Absolutely. Right. I mean, is it, Look at the fact that I mean it's it's like you said the safety thing the money thing I mean the liability thing for the homeowner for the pest control for everybody yeah right I mean I can use this it, it's and if I I, I kind of always keep going back to technology like even something with bell sensing I can buy five T Rex traps or ten of them and I can use them at multiple accounts I don't have to use them at just one count they're reusable hmm. right so then you look at it from that investment perspective of okay cool it costs me a hundred dollars for 10 of these traps. And then I think the monthly, you have to pay a monthly fee for the mobile application. Hmm. So that's like 15 bucks a month. Interesting. You know, and that's only if you do a service. And so it's like, I mean, I think it's like you said, you just have to figure out a way to find value in it.
0: Yeah. Do they have like a geo sensor or something? Like if you, if somebody throws one in an attic or something, are they able to go in different technician, go find it?
1: Was it geo coded? Yeah. I think they have a geocode, but the geocode's just based on... What do you call it? Like, It's like if you're looking at like a satellite image.
0: So it's, so like, think it it's at this house.
1: Like, it's correct.
0: not this part of the attic. Yeah, that makes sense. Correct,
1: yeah. But I mean, that part's still at least nice. And then I know the... Sorry, the IQ trays and the Eva Road and base stations. I think they have an accelerometer built into them as well. So like if they get kicked like 25 feet, it'll let you know as well. Hmm. Yeah.
0: That's wild. I think another way that technology is, is affecting the pest control industry is through the management softwares that we use, right? Do you think that pest control is abnormally unique in that it's difficult for a new software company to kind of crack the pest control industry?
1: You know, I don't... I, it, like for me personally, like if I were to like, let's say, hey, I want to start a software you know company now and go out and hit pest control... I don't think I would just go after pest control. I think I would try to create a vertical where it's a customizable software and I could go after like everybody, you know what I mean? So not just the vertical of pest control, but like, you know, what is it like air conditioner company? Like any, anybody that basically can use a software. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would want to build it based on that.
0: Which is more of like, like a service Titan, right?
1: Like. Correct. Yeah. Service Titan actually bought service pro.
0: They bought service pro too.
1: Yeah. They own service pro. They, yeah, they, they merged together.
0: So and they own pest routes, right, or field routes.
1: Yeah, now. I think that so, just happened recently. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was in the last couple of months. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. I want you know, I wonder is that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: You know, it's like it's kind of like PestPack buying Real Green, right? I mean, I think the reason Pestpak bought Real Green is because Real Green is the leading software for lawn care, hmm. right? I mean, they had all the big players for lawn care, and so. I think sometimes a software company buys it for the clients more than the actual software. You know what I mean? And acquisitions for right. the clients.
0: So for, from, from the user's perspective, from the users of Filled Routes, is it a good thing for... And I've got some f- friends that I might be upsetting a little bit with this question, but is it a good thing for the, the pest control company owners that FieldRoutes Routes was acquired by Service Titan?
1: I don't know, I think it can be I think it can be good and bad. You know what I mean? I think it just depends on what you're how you're kind of like viewing it because anytime a company is acquired, things are going to change a little bit. I mean, they always say they don't want to change things, right? They're going to say, "Oh yeah, everything's going to stay the same, everything's going to be fine." But you just don't know until you're in that situation. But I mean, for the most part, you're still going to have that key account manager, right, that was maintaining your account. And so as long as they have the proper hierarchy too, to go back to where they work, then I think you can still be successful. I think it just depends on the situation. That's that's hard for me to answer because I've never been in a situation with a software company where I've worked for them while they've been acquired, if that makes sense. Yeah. I
0: think I think the pros... And I think you're right. I think it's a mixed bag. I think the pros are the amount of resources. A lot of people say, you know, hey, this software is just to sell out. They're just... You know, it, they were all in it for the money and whatever. But software platforms that get an inject, in- injection of cash, they can do more, right? They can they can solve problems that they weren't solving before. Now, because of that, right, and just because of how basic economics work, that price is going to go up. They're going to be able to charge more for that service. But yeah, it's interesting. Possibly,
1: maybe, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no on that end. Because at the end of the day, here's the. Tr- Here's I think the biggest thing I've seen. Cause here's I worked for like, let's say like Service Pro, right? And I worked I worked for them on being on the software side. And then when I worked for advanced and we were using Pest Pack initially, I was on the customer side, which was very interesting to be on one side versus the other. Hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, I think it's just it's gonna be a possi as far as that cost goes. I mean, companies conversions can cost a lot of money. So you are right in the sense that. They could probably increase the price and depending on the current experience for the customer, they're probably going to stay because conversions can, depending on the size of the company, conversions can take 6 to 12 months, if not longer, and they can cost upwards of thousands of dollars, basically Mm -hmm. to move from one software company to another.
0: Yeah. Honestly, that is one of the, at least in the pest control industry, it's one of the stickiest vendors that exists. We made a switch about five or six years ago and it took us, I think it took us near a year for everybody to be fully trained to us, for us to be back to where we were when we made the move.
1: Are you comfortable sharing who you were using and who you switched to or not?
0: So we were using Pokemos.
1: Okay. Yep. Out of Utah.
0: Yep. Yep. And they were acquired by... Somebody, it might have been a private equity group. I don't know that it was another software conglomerate or something. Okay. We switched from them to Pest Routes.
1: Okay. And so, Pokemos, I'm assuming was pretty. I know they're pretty small. So, yep. Do you feel like you're getting more out of Pest Routes than you were out of Pokemos?
0: And I don't know where Pokemos is now because I haven't used it right for six years. But at the time, it was uh, Pesteros was clearly more robust, and a lot of what goes into this, Adam, and I understand the thinking is the size of the company, right? Right. There are, I mean, the numbers that of users versus the size of some of these software companies really boggles my mind, and some of them I can't share publicly, but because they're so, like, for example, one company will have many more users, but they're so much smaller, right? They'll have lots of, you know, one-man operations. Okay. And they'll dominate that area, but they'll have, so they'll, it, they'll have way more customers in terms of just numbers of companies, but half or a quarter of the gross revenue, right? And so what happens is a number, number one, maybe the number one consideration, at least, you, you know, I moderate a Facebook group I think it's the largest um, pest control owner Facebook group that there is. I could be wrong, but it's called Start and Grow Your Pest Control Company. And we talk about this a lot. And the number one consideration, which it shouldn't be, but it's cost. And, he, and here's why it shouldn't. I just said that it took me a year to get back to square one. And it wasn't the fault of, any of the, either of the software companies. It was just, it was just the process that cost a lot of money. Earlier in the conversation we were talking about the the value of time. Right. And so I think it's super short-sighted for a guy that hangs a shingle, he used to be a tech he's going he's going to go for it, which I I consult and I talk to a lot of these people, lot, hundreds probably. It's really short-sighted for them to say, "Okay, this is the cheapest software." Well, it's the cheapest now. Right? Right. But if you're going to so my my rule is if you're going to have more than probably five techs at some point, you'll save money by paying more now for a more robust software.
1: I mean, I think it's kind of like for me, if sorry, I was just thinking out loud. If I were going to start a pest control company, I would think about, I want my software to be able to handle anything I want to do in the future, including what I'm doing now.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: because so to kind of like say what you're saying with a robust sense, I mean, you can go get a basic software just to do residential pest control. But if I'm going to do commercial, if I want to do, you know, bait stations and scanning and digital logbook and all the different verticals that softwares offer, like you said, I want to go with the one a that's going to give me what I need to be successful. But also, I also want to use the the best software that's going to have the best support as well. Right. And that's going to be kind of key because if you're if you're utilizing your software to the fullest, you're also going to be utilizing, you know, your support technician within that company to the fullest. You know, what I mean, you said you use routes. so you're going to if you're using it to its fullest, you're going to have to be calling somebody or having that key account person you yep. can talk to.
0: No, that's that's exactly right. And and a lot about being a business owner is being able to look around the corner sometimes and and it's so hard for startups to do that and the only way for them to be able to do that is to rely on their network rely on other people in the industry they already actually walked around the corner they saw what's around the corner they're actually standing there just yelling over like hey don't do this but and and i think that's you know that was a big purpose in us producing this podcast was hey we've we've kind of been around there now if you don't want you know i have pest control operations in multiple states and we just just yesterday actually we celebrated our our 7th year of revenue we we, we oh, made nice. our first dollar in 2015 on March 16th so we're recording this on the
1: 17th congratulations
0: yeah big moment big moment but we've been around the corner and there's people that and we're trying to peek around the corner of companies that have you know been around longer than us done things that we haven't do and it's the same sentiment and it's all relative but this is, you know, what this podcast is about is having these conversations and and trying to, to help people. I always say, Adam, I always say, look, if you don't want to scale your pest control company, if you don't want to develop, you know, several million dollars of recurring revenue, do it the other way. There's not, it's not right or wrong. This isn't a morality issue. It's, you know, if right. you want to be under houses, you want to be treating homes because you like the customer interaction. You, like, by all means, keep doing it. Keep that software, right? That's that budget software. But if you don't, like, hey, maybe listen to somebody that's, you know, been around the corner that you're trying to to get around.
1: Or like you said, I mean, ask somebody that's been around the corner so you can get that valuable feedback. I mean, yeah. you kind of pinned the tail on the donkey when you talked about networking. And networking is so crucially important. I mean, if you're not involved in your, you know, state pest management association, yes. you need to be involved. They help you get all of your regulatory stuff done. They help you get things, training, CEUs, things that you can take advantage of. And I always tell people around the networking topic, you literally never know who you're gonna meet and how it's going to affect you. Just like you said, the pest control industry is a small world.
0: It is. It is. So and, and the the cool thing about it being a small world, and I and what I've found is that 99% of PCOs and people in this industry want to help other people. There's one percent that that don't. But the cool thing about it being a small thing is that we get to decide if that works to our advantage or it doesn't, right? Because it could be a bad thing, right? If you put stuff out there that you shouldn't be putting out there, you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, it being a small world would be a negative thing.
1: Absolutely.
0: Right. Because people are going to hear about it.
1: Right. And if you get that one person that hears it, that spreads that, you know, that tells somebody else, that tells somebody else, it just becomes, you know, the telephone game. Yeah. And then by the time it gets to the last person, it's some, you know, expounded upon, you know, exaggerated story that wasn't even what it was in the beginning.
0: 100%. 100%. Well, what, what does the future hold for Adam? Where Where's Adam in 5, 10 years down
1: the road? I'm enjoying my current role. I don't really have much feedback to give about it, you know, just because it's still new for me, you know, so I love it. And this is where I plan to be right now.
0: Love it. That's awesome. You're active on social media. You're doing some good things there.
1: Yeah. And I did just want to make a clarification because I thought about it earlier when I was talking about mosquito control. I never helped out with aerial fumigations. I need to correct that as aerial applications.
2: (laughs) We're not fumigating
1: people. (laughs) (laughs) So whenever I was with them, geez, that was 2008 to 2010. I was just part of doing the aerial applications. Gotcha. But as far as where I am, you know, I'm here and... Loving it and learning a lot. And so, you know, that's just like I said, I don't really have a lot of feedback right now. So
0: Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Where can people reach out to you? I know you have you're active on social media. Where do you want to send them if they want to learn more about some of the things you're doing?
1: Absolutely. I would say if anybody has any technology questions on pest control software and or anything we've talked about, they can reach out to me. On my cell phone, it's a 352-408-6122. And or my social media accounts are all name that bug D as and dog. And so I'm on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. I'm on all those different things. So yeah, anybody could get in touch with me that way. Or you know, if they contact you, I'll, I'm also on LinkedIn, obviously. So if anybody wants to get in touch with me on LinkedIn, that's a super easy way. I highly encourage people who are not on LinkedIn and who are not active on LinkedIn to get involved in LinkedIn, especially when you're in this industry. Mm. It's a good way to follow your different pest management associations. It's a good way to just do some posts, be active. And I don't know, LinkedIn is a much more powerful tool than anybody can imagine. And I'm also here to help anybody out with social media if they need that. There's more to it than you think. I mean posting videos with the right amount of time, you know, with different various hashtags is really crucial to driving your social media, you know, on the platform it's on.
0: Yeah, no that's that's awesome. TikTok and LinkedIn, there's so much noise on Instagram and Facebook right now. TikTok and LinkedIn is where you can get some traction. LinkedIn I'm learning if you're really f- focusing on an industry niche, it's the best platform. It does a really good job of of filtering things out that don't don't apply, and so that's what I'm trying to do is kind of become more niche specific on LinkedIn. But you had a video on TikTok that got six million plus views or something, right?
1: I did. I did. I've had a few actually that are at that point now, but the Jeez. the one that I probably thoroughly enjoy is my tick video that I did. That's awesome. I do edit a video of a a young lady over in another country. She was removing a tick with some dental floss right? And so she she wraps the dental floss and ties it around the hypostome or the mouth part of the tick. And then she pulls up the loose string and she twirls it basically, you know, t- she twirls it over and over and over again. And it's interesting, right? CDC says that you're supposed to just pull a tick straight up. That's how you remove it. However, the hypostome of a tick has retorced teeth, which means they're backwards, right? So when they put it into your body or whatever host they're feeding on, if you go to pull it out the way it is, there's a good chance you can rip off that mouth part, right? And then you create the opportunity for secondary infection, right? And so if you twist it 180 to 360 degrees from what I've learned in my experience is that it can kind of help release those mouth parts and then it just slides right out. So if you watch the video that I do edited that went really viral, that's what the girl does is she, like I said, ties the dental floss around it, hmm. twirls it and twirls it and twirls it, and when she lets it go, the tick just pops right out.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs>
1: So I was just explaining to people. I was doing it and explaining to people why that process worked and you know the, how they could use it. So I think it got shared. It's been shared almost forty thousand times.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So the so the reach is definitely there. Well, this has been awesome, Adam. Th- hey, thanks for what you do, what you add to the industry. You've got this unique perspective, this unique experience that you've had, and you know I. I enjoy chatting with people that you know care about the industry, trying to make it better, and just doing things the right way. So appreciate you coming
1: on and best of luck in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Alan. I really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us an honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you and we'll catch you on the next episode.